0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Ellie Shannon will be updating you on campus news and then I'll be delivering local news. After that, we'll be hearing from KCSU Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum, and I will be speaking to Haley Breaker and Matilda Thornton-Clark about the ballot measure to ban plastic grocery bags from Fort Collins grocery stores.
1: Then, Cuddle will be delivering some national news,
0: and we'll be hearing some updates from the music department. After that, I'll be giving new information on COVID-19 and speaking to CeCe Taylor from The Collegiate.
1: To conclude the show, Cuddle will be giving some updates on technology, and I'll be telling you about the weirdest stories I've found recently.
0: Let's move right into campus and local news.
2: Hello, I'm Ellie Shannon here with KCSU and the Rocky Mountain Review, and we are in our fifth week of the spring semester at Colorado State. It's hard to believe we're already five weeks in, but there are things to be looking forward to as CSU is now in phase three of their pandemic response. All classes face to face, hybrid and online are fully back in session. President Joyce McConnell announced that the university will be returning to on campus operations for the fall of 2021. CSU will still be following CDC and Larimer County guidelines regarding social distancing and the number of people per class or activity. CSU's annual Founders Day celebrated its 151st anniversary and awarded the Founders Day Medal to Professor Emeritus John Matsushima. Matsushima is a, quote, legendary scientist in beef whose innovations have influenced the global food system and exemplified the university's land grant mission, end quote according to Coleman Cornelius of CSU's College News. Saliva screenings are still available for free through the university, as well as navel swabs for all students, staff, and faculty. These are available at the Mac Gym, and students, staff, and faculty receive emails when sign-up links each week. Thanks for listening to KCSU, and make sure to tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review again on Thursday. I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're on 90.5 FM.
1: Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and this is your local news for today on 90.5 KCSU. 16 new COVID-19 outbreaks were reported last week in locations including a Fort Collins independent living facility and a Loveland boarding school. According to Pat Ferrier and JC Marmaduke of the Coloradoan, there are now 75 active outbreaks in Larimer County as of last Wednesday, up from 69 the previous week. Cases associated with a given facility are considered an active outbreak once at least two causes are confirmed in a 14-day period. Four of the ten largest active outbreaks are at long-term care facilities, some of which ha- haven't held vaccine clinics yet because they're lower on the state priority list. The largest outbreak from last week was at Parkwood Estate's independent living facility, 2201 South LeMay Avenue, Fort Collins. The state is reporting 16 cases among Parkwood residents, and 15 of those cases are active, according to an emailed statement from a representative of facility owner, Holiday Retirement. Parkwood shifted to restricted access after the community surpassed three cases, spokesperson Alyssa Serio said, meaning residents are asked to isolate in their apartments, the dining room is closed, and all meals are delivered. As of Friday afternoon, there have been 214 deaths related to COVID-19 in Larimer County, with nine, all people age 65, so far this month. The cold snap that took hold near the end of last week broke a 121-year-old cold record over the weekend. According to Miles Bloomhart at the Coloradoan, Fort Collins broke its previous coldest high-temperature record when it hit 2 degrees Fahrenheit Sunday the previous record being 6 degrees and set in 1900. The Sunday night low of negative 11 degrees was the coldest it's been since January 17, 2017, when it reached negative 16 degrees, according to state climatologist Russ Schumacher. The weather service forecast called for a low of 2 degrees Monday night, which would snap a streak of four consecutive nights of sub-zero temperatures. The cold snap began February 7th when Schumacher said the temperature dropped 23 degrees in 10 minutes in Fort Collins. Since that day, the high temperature has not gone above freezing. Schumacher said the city seeing 8 consecutive days where the high never reaches above freezing hasn't happened since 1993. Two people were killed in two separate avalanches over the weekend, bringing the number of people killed in avalanches in Colorado this season to 10. The Clear Creek Coroner's Office identified one of the victims as 57-year-old David Hyde of the St. Mary's area. He is snowboarding alone. The other reported death was of a snowmobiler who was caught in the avalanche of, west of Rolling Pass. Their identity has not yet been revealed. The avalanche season started with a surge in deaths across the country, but it's far from over, according to Dr. Ethan Green, director of the Colorado Ava- Avalanche Information Center. February and March are historically the deadliest months. Green said, quote, This year is worse than we've seen in a while, just in terms of the weakness of the snow and the character of avalanches that we're seeing as about one in ten year. Green said that the recent deaths are a horrible reminder that people should take avalanche safety seriously in Colorado, recommending that people check the avalanche forecast at avalanche.state.co.us before heading out. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and this has been your local news. We'll be right back with sports news with Jonathan Gillum.
3: Support for KCSU comes from the Lisa Rinkjob Agency, Incorporated with American Family Insurance. With offices located in Fort Collins and Greeley, protection, peace of mind, and trust has been their priority since 1992. Learn more about Lisa Rinkjob Agency, Incorporated and American Family Insurance at lisarinkjob at amfam.com.
4: Good afternoon Northern Colorado it's Jonathan Gillum for KCSU Sports and I'm gonna bring you your Tuesday afternoon sporting news the CSU Rams wrapped up a pretty eventful weekend I would say first let's begin with volleyball volleyball gets a sweep against Nevada to in their series two games bringing the Rams volleyball record to three and one However, that's when, well, the action stopped because we had a wave of cancellations. Uh, Women's softball had their Texas Classic canceled where they were supposed to face Alabama over the weekend. Uh, Additionally, the men's basketball and women's basketball had some postponements. Women's basketball was supposed to play New Mexico last Friday and they were postponed and also their game on Saturday was postponed as well and that was it for postponements now currently this week men's and women's golf are actually undergoing a a tournament at this moment in Las Vegas at the Spanish Hill Trails Country Club and coming up this week this Thursday we have some exciting news we'll of course have another sports update on Thursday however we have the women's swimming and diving team in the mountain west diving and swimming championships and that happens all day long as well as women's volleyball is playing 7 p.m that's mountain standard time against unlv on thursday night and that can be found only here on kcsu 90.5 fort collins where we bring you a live broadcast of the home volleyball games and that's all i have for sports if you are missing Sports in Your Life, we have great content available at kcsufm.com. We also have three sports shows, and that is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thank you all for listening. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time.
0: All right, so today I am with Haley Breaker and Matilda Thornton-Clark from COPERG, which is the Colorado Public Interest Group, and they're with the campus action portion of that. So to begin with, would you guys mind introducing yourself a little bit deeper than just your name and telling us about the organization that you represent?
5: I can start. Yeah, so I'm Matilda. I'm the campus organizer with uh, co Campus Action. So I am full-time staff. I've been with the Campus Action Program for about five years now. um, And then this is my first semester in Colorado. Before this, I was in Florida and then started out in New Jersey for a couple of years.
6: Um, I'm a current student at CU studying environmental studies. um, And I'm currently the co-coordinator of the Plastic Campaign um, and it's my first semester working with them.
0: All right thank you and then um, to start off with can you just tell us a little bit about what CoperG is?
6: I could tell a little bit about it um, So basically we are oh, well I'm involved in the Copergs on the on CU Boulders campus and we work on a few different campaigns that uh, many students are invested in such as, banning single-use plastics, hunger and homelessness, um, making textbo- textbooks more affordable. Um, so once this action is taken at the college level um, and on campuses, hopefully this will like expand to the state level. Um, and this is happening in, on many campuses across the U.S., um, so not exclusive to Colorado, um, but that's kind of what some of the main campaigns that working we are working on in Colorado at the moment. All
0: right, and then what personally brought both of you to begin working with this campaign and this organization? Um, we can start with Matilda.
5: Yeah, so I got involved. Um, while I was still in college, I went to Ithaca, Ithaca College in upstate New York. Um, and I knew that after college, I wanted to do something good for the world, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and so I found um, our, our student perks campus action program. And I thought that this was a cool opportunity. I love that it was working specifically on college campuses. I you know, where I went to school, there wasn't a ton of activism or grassroots organizing going on, Um, but I know that it's something that I would have loved. And so I was just really excited to give that opportunity to students and help train up the next generation of leaders. As
6: an environmental studies major, I feel like I wanted to have the more application piece of it. And um, you don't really get that too much in just the regular curriculum. Um, And I'm more specifically very passionate about the zero waste aspect of sustainability. So when I found I was just looking through a lot of the internship opportunities for like environmental studies students specifically and this one really caught my eye. Just because I haven't had experience working on the policy aspects of of my major. So I thought it kind of perfectly aligned with um, with that.
0: All right. And then moving on more towards the ending single-use plastic bag usage in Fort Collins, why does your organization think that banning these single-use plastics is so important, especially grocery bags, which people get weekly in dozens?
6: Yeah, so plastic bags are one of the worst types of single-use plastics out there. Um, So a plastic bag is only used on average for 12 minutes, but does persist in the environment, pollute our waterways, communities um, for generations. And um, last year, 50% of the plastic bags that we use ended up in landfills, and 8 billion um, ended up in the environment. And in Colorado specifically, we go through 4 million bags every single day. Um, And so nothing that we use for only a few minutes should um, threaten our health and pollute our environment for hundreds of years. Um, And so plastic bags are easily replaceable by a sustainable alternative where people um, can just bring their own reusable bag um, very easily just to cut back on that plastic bag use. Um, And in Fort Collins specifically, even though it's only affecting one community or the the plastic bag um replacement it does make a big difference in that you know more plastic bags won't end up in the landfill they won't end up in our waterways and they won't
0: all right and then do you think that the general public especially in fort collins where um csu has a platinum rating when it comes to sustainability do you think that the general public here is in favor favor of this measure passing
6: i do think so i was reading up about um just who's on board with the with getting this passed um and most people involved in were um on board with it just because it's a very easy and simple solution just to um eliminate the plastic bags at the point of contact in the grocery stores um and i think that the consumers um are on board with it because a lot of people already do bring their own reusable bag and so this is just like a very easy way for like everyday people who to get involved and make their own impact in the sustainable
0: world. What do you think might hold some people in Fort Collins back from voting for a plastic bag ban, especially those who like to reuse their grocery bags those trash bags?
6: Yeah, um, so a lot of people um, who are, are against it think, um, like, why are we just only targeting plastic bags? Um when there are other types of like plastic out there and single use plastic. Um, And so that's like one of the main arguments against uh, against this, Um, but it's just simply because the reason people are targeting the plastic bags to start is that it's the, one of the worst types. And it does mention that in the future, if this does get passed, that they could um, focus on other types of plastics such as polystyrene and like takeout containers. Um, and another, um, reason why some people are against it is just because there is that 12 cent fee for paper bags if they don't bring their own reusable bag. Um, however, the intent is not to have people just start paying for their bags. It's just to incentivize people to bring their own and change their behavior, um, and so that's that's uh, those are a couple of the main reasons why people are against it, but um, really it doesn't. Um, getting their reusable bag is a very simple solution, and it doesn't really cost that much. Um, just to and a lot of people actually in businesses give out reusable bags to the consumers.
0: Yeah. And then going back on that um, small fee, do you think that this addition of the law might particularly, um, at least, cause temporary harm on people who are lower income, even though there is a long term solution of getting those reusable bags?
6: Since there is, it's a twelve cent fee, um, and half part of the money goes to the city, and some would go to the uh, retailer. A lot of them are think about like giving out the reusable bags, like using this fee to those who are lower income. Um, and also they the lower income individuals are would be impacted the most by the fee and they so therefore they would be more incentivized to bring their own reusable bags and so they wouldn't have to pay this 12 cent fee per bag and in a lot of the places where this is already in effect um the people who pay the fee often are um those who can't afford to just pay this this fee and it doesn't really impact them that much.
0: Right, thanks for that perspective. And then, um, as I've said before, Fort Collins is really known for its environmental sustainability, especially near campus. Um, do you think that if this ballot measure either doesn't pass or does pass that could really change things for the city's reputation?
6: I think if it does pass it would set an example for other towns who are planning on doing something similar um, or taking like this zero waste more sustainable initiative um, just because they already have um, this sustainability reputation it would just kind of boost it and add to it um, because there are just many different ways that uh, communities can show up in the sustainability world. Um, However, if it doesn't pass, I don't think it would ruin their reputation necessarily, just because there are a lot of complicated factors that go into passing this.
0: Right, definitely. And then um, just kind of circling back to the environmental impact of plastic bags, how do you think that the passing of this new ballot measure might impact littering in the city since a lot of people just toss their bags out the window or lose them in their car?
6: Um, I think that it would significantly reduce that just because if grocery stores aren't providing these plastic bags, then there won't be as much material for for them to just litter and throw away. Um, And hopefully it would be like a first another like step to incentivize people to not litter as much and to um, take more sustainable actions if they are like the kind of people who just like dispose of their plastic bags and like, don't use them as trash bags in their home, things like that.
0: Yeah. And then kind of going back to how this law is passed in other major cities and towns. um, Do you think that there have been any real big, really big failures when it comes to similar legislation, either with enforcement or with other issues related to it?
5: I'm not totally sure. I mean, I do think that, you know, part, part of this is also helping to change the culture is that you know laws are just one piece of that, and and bills getting passed are just one piece of that. Really, what we want to do here is is again create a culture that is shifting away from single use anything and moving more towards reusable alternatives that are more sustainable. Um, from what we've seen so far, uh, the enforcement hasn't been too much of a pro- of a problem, and part of that, and I think it's similar with this, is that there is this transition time, so it wouldn't go into effect until twenty twenty two, which ac- actually gives the opportunity for more enforcement um, and you know better setup, so that once it is in effect, it it can go pretty seamlessly.
0: Yeah. And then kind of going back on that culture thing, how do you think that um, that first big shift to use uh, like silicone reusable straws and metal straws kind of shaped this movement against single-use plastics? (laughs) Sorry. Um,
6: I think it just really opened people's eyes to how much of these single use items that we use every single day. It just made people more conscious of what they should start using as like using sustainable alternatives, like not using um, plastic straws and um, plastic water bottles and and things like that. I think it just like made them realize how, it also is like very easy to do, um, to make these like small changes. It's not too much of like a big lifestyle change. I think it's something that anyone could do no matter um, their backgrounds or their age. It's just like very pretty simple. Um, transition from like these single use items to like more sustainable items.
0: Yeah. And then, if any students from CSU are at all interested in COPERG or any other similar actions, um, how can they like find more information about you guys?
5: We have an Instagram account. They can follow us, COPERG students. Um, if they wanna send us a DM, we can get them involved. Um, if they wanna follow us just to stay updated. And then usually in our bio, we have an action for folks to take, whether that's signing a petition, filling out a, an interest card to get involved. Um, like Haley mentioned, there's a lot of things that we can work on. Um, and then one thing that I, I wanna mention as well is that uh, this Fort Collins proposed bag ban, which you know will likely be on the ballot this April is just one part of the plastics problem. Um, the other thing that we're working on is a bill is gonna be introduced uh, in a couple of weeks that will ban single-use plastic bags and single-use polystyrene takeout containers at the statewide level. Um, so if folks are really interested in this issue and want to take bigger action, they can get involved with that
0: campaign as well. All right, thanks. And then just to wrap up, what are some other projects and campaigns that Coberg has really lent its efforts to recently?
5: Yeah, so a couple of campaigns, and I think that the campaigns that I'll highlight here are kind of go through just the scope of the work that we do. So at the national level, we're we're working to protect the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, encouraging our elected officials to support a bill that would protect it. We're also targeting oil and gas companies from even seeking uh, to lease uh, uh, land in the Arctic. So that's one campaign. Um, Haley mentioned our affordable textbooks campaign. So actually working to make sure that higher education is affordable for everyone. This is both tackling the textbooks cost, which is totally unnecessary, but then also working, uh, again, at the national level to encourage Congress to double the Pell Grant allowment. Um, and then in the local uh, kind of city areas, we're doing two things, working to increase and expand transportation for everyone um, and working to tackle uh, hunger and, and homelessness in, in our local areas as well.
0: Great. Awesome. And then before we go, do you have anything else that you would like to add either about this ballot measure that will potentially be on the April 6th ballot or just your organization in general?
5: Just encouraging students, especially to get involved in local elections, uh, making sure that turnout is high. There's other things on the ballot. And so it's important that you're voting in your local elections always. Um, And then... For, for us and kind of other things that we have coming up. We're also gonna do a, a lobby day in March for the for the statewide plastics bill. So if anyone is interested in that, again, follow us on Instagram, send us a DM, we'd be happy to get folks involved.
6: Individuals do have the power to make change just because in the environmental movement, it can seem um, very discouraging and that like people and individuals don't have an impact, but They do, and this action is just um, one part and one thing that individuals can do to make a difference in their community and in the overall environment.
0: All right, thank you both so much. Again, I heard today from Haley Breaker and Matilda Thornton-Clark, both of them work COPIRG, which is the Colorado Public Interest Group. Um, and they are also on the Campus Action, which is currently working on um, efforts to reduce single-use plastics and specifically plastic bags in Fort Collins. Thank you both so much for your time.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Uh- we'll be right back.
7: Radio vibes. Oh, I got you, baby. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz and KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio.
0: And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for February 16th. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is supporting Congress in their plans to create an independent commission to investigate and study the Capitol attack on January 6th. According to Barbara Sprunt from National Public Radio, this independent commission will be modeled after a similar commission created to investigate and look into the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Pelosi made this statement in a letter sent to House Democrats this Monday and had first said she was interested in the commission's creation about two weeks ago. Pelosi's deputy of staff, Drew Hamill, said in his statement, quote, The Speaker has and will continue to take action to ensure accountability and enhance the security of the Capitol. Following the insurrection, the House Surgeon-at-Arms, the Senate Surgeon-at-Arms, and the Chief of the Capitol Police were removed from their positions. It is the job of the Capitol Police Board on which these three individuals sat to properly plan and prepare for security threats facing the U.S. Capitol, end quote. Minnesota's House of Representatives has passed a bill allowing for the use of35 million dollars for security as the trial of off- the officer charged with George Floyd's murder begins. According to Steve Karnowski at The Associated Press, this money would be considered a state aid and emergencies account that provides mutual aid when the state in what the state called, quote, "unplanned or extraordinary public safety events end quote." Minnesota's authorities have spent, spent months preparing for potential civil unrest related to this trial. After the national protest this summer, after Floyd's murder by suffocation by Officer Derek Chauvin, a Minneapolis police officer, the National Guard has already been authorized in Minnesota as a preparation, and it's partnered with local police department in case arrests are needed. Basketball player Michael Jordan donated $10 million to open two new medical clinics in North Carolina. According to Emma Dill at Wilmington Star News in partnership with USA Today, Jordan has previously partnered with health organization Novant Health to open two other family clinics in Charlotte, North Carolina. These new clinics will be located in Wilmington, North Carolina, with the intention to improve health care access in his hometown. Previous clinics associated with Jordan's support offered behavioral health, primary care, and social support services to vulnerable communities in the area. The new clinics will allow for similar programs in more rural communities in North Carolina and support uninsured and underinsured residents of the region. President Joe Biden and other federal officials now argue that getting an economic stimulus to the American public is of higher concern than inflation. According to Jim Lee and Gianna Smiley from The New York Times, Biden and his top economic advisors are choosing to push concerns of inflation aside in hopes of getting aid out to suffering Americans after months of minimal financial support from the federal government. U.S. House Democrats are working this week to finalize the Biden stimulus plan, which would push almost $2 trillion into the economy, including unemployment benefits and direct payments. Their hope is to have the bill on Biden's desk by next month, with the Senate planning to prioritize it on the agenda to speed up this process. Even those who'd previously shown immense concern over inflation, like expert Janet Yellen, who spent her career battling inflation and its effects, are showing some leniency when it comes to those concerns. The American economy is currently in a desperate need of a jumpstart with 10 million jobs lost during the pandemic and many Americans dealing with food insecurity and eviction. Yellen said to CNN, quote, we face a huge economic challenge here and a tremendous su- and tremendous suffering in the country. We have got to address that. That's the biggest risk, end quote. That's all for National News Highlights. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Now we're going to be hearing a recent episode from the KCSU Music Podcast. In about eight minutes, you'll also be hearing some COVID-19 updates related to statistics and what the U.S. is doing
7: hello and welcome to the kcsu music podcast brought to you by kcsufm i'm lindsay the assistant music director for kcsu and today we're going to talk a little bit about music and our minds So maybe, like me, you've wondered before why people love music. What is it about certain songs that just thrills us? How do our brains interpret music? And why do some people hate jazz so much? We're going to get into all of that today, right now. Music has been around as long as anyone can remember, the very first instrument found to be a flute made of bone between 35,000 and 60,000 years ago. Flutes are pretty high-tech as far as musical advancements go, even rudimentary ones. It's much easier to create sound by singing or drumming out some sort of beat, which implies that Neanderthals and early Homo sapiens were mixing up tunes before even having written words, and it's debated whether or not they even spoke in an established language at that time. Another idea around our lifelong love of music is that we learn to recognize and feel comforted by a beat before we're even born, as babies can hear their mother's heartbeat in the womb. Still, for as long as music has been around, our attachment to it remains unclear. How can something hold so much power over us throughout our evolution and yet not be essential to our survival? Well, it actually might be more essential to our development than it seems. Researchers think that it must hold some higher purpose beyond pure enjoyment and speculate about music's role in developing empathy, group engagement, and our ability to predict. First of all, our minds interpret the world through patterns. It's how we get into daily habits, how we read other people, and really how we make sense of the ever shifting world around us. Patterns make us feel safe. If we can predict what's going to happen next, we can prepare accordingly. So, it makes sense that certain beats create easily grasped and enjoyable patterns. This is also why some people really don't like jazz. When the flow of the song doesn't make sense, our brains get bored and it just becomes random noise. Along with that, Many songs are quite clear in the emotion that they're expressing. Based on the instruments used, the lyrics, tone, and mood, we know what the artist is feeling and can empathize accordingly. Everyone can relate to the choke of heartbreak or an exciting night with friends, so not only do we enjoy understanding the pattern of the beat, it also feels good to mirror the emotions of the song, as humans tend to do for one another. This is why scientists think music is so beneficial for the development of empathy and group dynamics. Dancing or playing music with other people can be a deeply bonding experience. It's also very healing. Music can be liberating, comforting, and cathartic. Sometimes, dementia patients who have long since lost their common understanding with the world can be brought back to the days of their youth with an old favorite song and begin to recall old memories or even dance moves associated with it. This is done in part by the hippocampus, the part of the brain that produces and retrieves memories. Scientists think that music can increase neurogenesis in the hippocampus, allowing for neuron production and improved memory. How incredible is it that a beat can be so deeply rooted within our minds that it can bring people back to themselves, if only for a limited period of time? Finally, we all know that some songs surpass great and speak straight to our souls, the ones that make our hair stand up on the back of our neck or send a chill down our spines. That effect is created by the part of the brain called the amygdala, which processes and triggers emotions. This is because some songs help our brains create dopamine, which is the feel-good hormone and natural reward system. Dopamine is usually reserved for survival necessities, like eating or moving our bodies. We are immediately gratified by our ability to predict chord progressions and beats. Researchers believe this is a function of our need for patterns. Our brains latch onto a rhythm through a process called entrainment, which is synchronization of organisms to an external perceived rhythm, causing our heart rates to match the beat and even making us want to dance. It's safe to say that music really is essential to what makes us human and is a really beautiful part of our lives. I hope that you learned a little more about the magic of your brain on your favorite songs, and thank you for joining me today on the KCSU Music Podcast. Hey, 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 hey,
1: uh, hey, 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 hey.
8: my most brilliant creation yet. Yes, master. Igor, hand me the science juice. What about the sprig of a trivia plant? Good idea. Now for the gas of laughter.
2: You forgot the frog's breath. Stand back. Yes, it's alive. It's alive.
8: Science Matters, coming up next. Join me, DJ Attorney at Law. And me, DJ Pompeii. We'll catch you there for a truly electrifying time.
0: And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is COVID-19 Updates for February 16th. Colorado State University is experiencing a small spike in COVID-19 cases. The university has over 2,100 cumulative cases of COVID-19, and new cases remained pretty stagnant until late last week. Larimer County remains in the medium-risk category for COVID-19 transmission, and there are nearly 19,000 cases and 216 deaths in the county. Larimer County also has 316 outbreaks, and over 65,000 people have been vaccinated for the virus that causes COVID-19. On the state's DIAL framework, the county is at level yellow, which is referred to as the concern level. There have been nearly 70 new cases in the past 24 hours, and each day in the past two weeks has seen over 15 new cases. Also in the past two weeks, positive tests have never made up more than 10% of all tests administered, and the 14-day case rate is above 250 per 100,000 residents, which is considered high. There are, two, there are 16 COVID patients currently in the hospital, and both hospital and ICU utilization by percentage remain in the low 60s, which is considered low. Hospitalization is on an overall downward trend among with, along with new cases. On the state level, there are nearly 415,000 cases of COVID-19, and there have been over 5,500 deaths due to COVID-19. There have been over 3,700 outbreaks, and 2.5 million people have been tested for the virus. Colorado's COVID-19 Call Center has reduced wait times, down to 11 seconds, to improve access and care, with 200 staff members available to take calls. Nationally, there are over 27.7 million reported cases of COVID-19, with an increase of over 55,000 cases on Monday, which is a decrease of 41% in the past 14 days. Over 485,000 people have died of COVID-19 in the U.S., with nearly 1,000 more deaths Monday. Deaths are down by 22% and hospitalizations are down by 29%. Tennessee, Texas, and Southern Oregon are all experiencing spikes in new daily cases in the past week, and the southern regions of Colorado are experiencing some increases as well. In January, daily cases averaged around 250 thousand, and now new daily cases average around 91,000, meaning that the nation is starting to recover. This does not mean that residents of the U.S. should let their guard down, but it does show that vaccines, mask mandates, and continued restrictions have helped reduce the spread. The White House is asking China to provide early data from the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak in the Wuhan region, as the World Health Organization has shown concerns over the origins of the virus. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the White House is concerned about how Chinese scientists communicated when the virus was first discovered. Sullivan said, quote, "Going forward, all countries, including China, should participate in a transparent and robust process for preventing and responding to health emergencies so that the world learns as much as possible as soon as possible." End quote. The only way for those not yet eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine to protect themselves and others from the virus and its transmission and complications is by washing your hands for 20 seconds regularly, wearing a face mask, or cloth face covering, avoiding touching your face, and staying at home when possible. Information from this segment was gathered from the CSU COVID site, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the New York Times, and the Centers for Disease Control. CDC recommends double masking for additional protection, which involves wearing a disposable mask under a fabric mask, and limiting gaps that could allow for the the virus to spread. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Now we're going to be hearing from a Collegian reporter about her recent story on ASCSU's 11th session. In about eight minutes, we'll be catching up with some of the latest information in technology. All right, so today I am joined by Cece Taylor who is the ASCSU beat reporter with the Collegian. So we are going to be starting off by talking about her recent story, which was about a couple updates with ASCSU. So to start off with, can you explain the basics of what ASCSU spoke about in their 11th session?
8: Yeah, so this was a pretty normal session for ASCSU. They had some updates about what some of the different branches were doing. So there was some talk about a redder lighting campaign for citizen quarantine. And then there was some senators spoke about a bill that's upcoming for Lyft, which will allow some students, I think like 100 or so, will get some money for Lyft because the ram ride has not been running this year. Um, There was also some procedural change. Because there has been some controversy in ASCSU and I think um, there had been some um, discourse within ASCSU. so there was some procedural change for like making things more polite within the meetings. They talked a bit about the upcoming ASUSU elections, and they also spoke about, and they finalized a bill or they passed a bill about the Rams against hunger um, parking spaces.
0: All right, thank you. And then, what impact do you think that the letter writing campaign might have if it's put into place for students in quarantine?
8: Um, I think it'll be nice for them. I think it's a really sweet idea because you know quarantine sucks. Um, and yeah, I think for that, it's ASUC members specifically writing to students who are in quarantine. I'm not sure if other students can also participate, but I don't see why not.
0: Yeah, and it's nice to get some outreach from a person in a leadership role to know that your student senate cares about you. So that's definitely, yeah. How will giving students potentially a supplement for using Lyft support low-income students who previously depend on Ram Ride for weekend transportation?
8: So I think this bill will be really nice if it passes um, because currently every CSU student gets four free rides a a month, I think, with Lyft, I think up to $12. Um, But this bill will give certain students who apply um money specifically for Lyft I think it's around a hundred dollars I'm not sure um maybe 200 and I think this will be very nice for them because um Ram Ride was mainly for like um drinking and driving so it was like only the weekends um and then it was for I mean anyone could use it but it was like basically for um the drinking stuff but I think this will be nice because you can use Lyft whenever you want um, and some people can use it to go grocery shopping, to get to class. If they have to go home, they can use it.
0: Yeah. And then can you tell us a little bit about what prompted this new policy change related to ad hominem attacks in ASCSU?
8: Yeah. So um, this past couple weeks, there was some controversy over the executive branch um, getting a pay raise. It came from the Hannah Taylor um, like president um and there was some controversy with that because it wasn't passed through the senate um it was just done which was legal like there was nothing wrong with that um and there's a lot of explanations about that too but i think and then because of this because of what happened um there was a bill that was introduced that would give the senate a more say into who gets pay raises um and there was a lot of controversy within the the ACC senate about that because some people thought that um this bill would be like a power trip, um, so that the Senate would have more power over the executive branch. And then some people thought that this was needed to like make sure that no one is using student fees in the wrong way. Um, so just because of this discourse, there was some um, things said, some accusation accusations made in the in a, a previous session that you know was not the best things to say to a fellow senator. I couldn't like give you specific examples because I don't really remember. But I think because of this, um, um, they decided to make some new procedures that would prohibit like ad hominem attacks against another senator and like have more um, punishment for when these sorts of things happen.
0: All right, yeah. And then how do you think that this will benefit kind of the relationship between student senators?
8: I think it'll be nice for them because Um, then they don't have to worry about being attacked for like giving an opinion. Um, And then also they can keep each other in check as well. So uh, they don't have to worry about being attacked. They can always like call, call someone out and then they can always call um, someone else out who has attacked another person. So it's never like you're alone in the situation. Um, You have some backup and there are serious consequences for, um, for these attacks now, which I think will give senators more leeway into expressing their own opinions without worry about what other people think.
0: Yeah, and it'll also allow for accountability when people are just generally straight up bullying their other senators. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and then just to finish up, um, is there anything you'd like to add regarding this story or anything else to do with ASCSU Senate?
8: Um, I think ASCSU has done a pretty good job this year. I, I, really, I do enjoy covering their meetings. Um, I think that they have um, a really good part this year there's been a lot of talks about diversity and inclusion and I just really love to hear that from um, student leadership of course there's always going to be discourse and controversy but um, they handle it professionally and yeah so I'm happy to have a student leadership like that
0: all right thank you so much again that was Cece Taylor from the Collegian now we're going to be right back
3: Support for KCSU comes from the Lisa Rinkjob Agency, Incorporated, with American Family Insurance, with offices located in Fort Collins and Greeley. Protection, peace of mind, and trust has been their priority since 1992. Learn more about Lisa Rinkjob Agency, Incorporated, and American Family Insurance at at LisaRinkjob@amfam.com.
0: You just heard from Collegiate ASCSU reporter CeCe Taylor about recent agenda items discussed by the Student Senate. If you missed that or any portion of the show today, feel free to check us out after the show at kcsufm.com news or on Spotify at KCSU News. I'm Koda Babcock, and this is Tech News for Tuesday. Conservative social media platform Parler has gone back online after locating a new web host. According to Bobby Allen and Rachel Treisman at National Public Radio, the new site host seems to be struggling to run properly. It is failing to create new accounts, and it still fails to run on mobile devices. Parler is now being hosted by SkySilk, which is based in Los Angeles. In response to their decision to host the site, SkySilk said, quote, SkySilk does not advocate nor condone hate. Rather, it advocates the right to private judgment and rejects the role of being the judge, jury, and executioner, end quote. SkySilk's support comes with a plan for Parler to become a less partisan media site and is based on this, the SkySilk CEO's belief that they are taking necessary steps to moderate the site following the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Car company Mercedes is recalling over 1 million vehicles due to emergency car location malfunctions. According to Kim Lyons at The Verge, Mercedes-Benz USA said that they were unaware of any damages that came as a result of the malfunction, and the new update will be available at dealerships and over-the-air for installation. The recall includes vehicles released between 2016 and 2021 with models in the the CLA-Class, GLA-Class, GLE-Class, GLS-Class, SLC-Class, A-Class, GT-Class, C-Class, E-Class, S-Class, CLS class, SL class, B class, GLB class, GLC class, and G class. the u- The issue was first investigated by Mercedes-Benz in 2019 when European vehicles were having issue with the eCall system sending the proper position information. Bitcoin came just under fifty thousand U.S. dollars in worth Sunday, setting a new record for the cryptocurrency. According to Tom Westbrook from Reuters, Bitcoin did dip down to just under forty-six thousand dollars. Um, per Bitcoin on Monday, with a 5.6% loss. Bitcoin's recent gains came as a result of changing attitudes towards cryptocurrencies, as well as Tesla and some banks offering to accept Bitcoin for payment and banking services. Ethereum and Dogecoin, both competitors of Bitcoin, also faced drops recently. Facebook's recently created oversight board has received significant commentary following their decision to permanently ban former President Donald Trump from the platform. Trump was permanently banned following a temporary ban as a result of concerns that the former president may continue to incite violence if given the platform. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has said that he puts his faith in the Oversight Committee to help make decisions such as these ones, and that he was interested in getting other forms of oversight to support Facebook in these decisions as well. Multiple other social media platforms, including Twitter, have permanently banned Trump from using their services. That's all for tech news. Now for Weird News with Ivy Winfrey.
1: Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Sometimes we need to get a little bit weird, so here's a few of the weirdest stories I've found from around the world today. A Louisiana man is in the hospital after using Gorilla Glue to glue a cup to his lips to prove false the story of a woman similarly making a hospital visit after styling her hair with Gorilla Glue. According to writers at the Indian Express, the man was skeptical of the viral story of a woman named Tezuka Brown having to undergo hours of surgery after styling her hair with Gorilla Glue. Len Martin from Louisiana posted a video on Instagram where he applied Gorilla Glue to a cup and put the cup over his mouth with the intention of licking the glue to break the adhesion. Unfortunately for him, the cup was then stuck to his face as the caption to the video says, quote, I thought that chick with the Gorilla Glue was making that story up, but no, it's real. I don't know why I tried it. End quote. The post then goes on to explain that the doctors told him they may need to remove the cup with surgery. The Instagram comments were not kind to him either, with most criticizing or insulting him for the act. One comment by smooth underscore 93 pointed out that he had hashtagged the posts with hashtag Gorilla Glue challenge, similar to other viral quote-unquote, internet challenges, and that people should avoid following him or giving him attention to discourage others from making the same mistake. A Canadian man was arrested for car theft for the second time in one day, after being released from custody from the first car theft charge. According to writers at the Oshawa Express, officers responded to a possible impaired driver February 7th around 2am, where police located a Ford F-150 pickup truck and attempted to pull it over the truck then pulled over and the driver got out and ran prompting the police to chase him on foot the man was then arrested and charged when the police found the car he was driving was stolen and that he was in possession of crystal methamphetamine he was then released on undertaking meaning that his release was on the condition that he would appear on a court in court later on however later that day police responded to a stolen vehicle call at approximately 8:45 p.m. The victim had left her vehicle running with two young teens inside. The suspect kicked the teens out of the vehicle before driving away. Police were able to track the stolen vehicle and found the same suspect from before behind the theft. The suspect was arrested and faces more charges. The 32-year-old has been charged with two counts of theft of a motor vehicle, possession of property, over $5,000, impaired operation by drugs, Failing to stop for police, unauthorized use of credit card data, (laughs) possession identification for fraudulent offense, fraud exceeding $5,000, failing to comply with an undertaking, possessing property obtained by crime, and dangerous operation. He was then released on undertaking for a second time. Scientists may have found a way to teach pigs how to play video games. According to Amanda Kuser at CNET.com, Purdue animal behavior specialist Candace Crony and chimpanzee cognition expert Sarah Boyson co-authored a study published in the journal Frontiers in Psychology in which researchers were attempting to search pigs and their mental processes such as memory, attention, and conceptualization skills. The experiment involves first teaching the pigs how to manipulate a joystick using their snaps. Then they were taught to use the joystick to play a video game on a monitor in front of them. The pigs were rewarded with food for playing the game properly, but they also responded to verbal encouragement. The journal said in a, in a statement that, quote, Each pig performed the tasks well above chance, indicating the animal understood the movement of the joystick was connected to the cursor on the computer screen. The research found that the pigs, quote, failed to meet the criteria used for primates to demonstrate full mastery of the concept, according to the study. However, researchers suspect that this may be connected to the way the experiment functions. It wasn't designed for fart sighted animals with limited dexterity, and scientists suggested a touchscreen might be an option to explore in the future. Crony said of the research, quote, it's no small feat for an animal to grasp the concept that the behavior they're performing is having an effect elsewhere. That pigs can do this to any degree should give us pause as to what else they are capable of learning and how such learning may impact them. Quote. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This has been your Weird News for today.
3: Ustedes, soy Rogelio Klein de Los Peacemakers. Ustedes están escuchando a 90.5 KCSU.
1: And now for the weather.
0: Today we experience significantly warmer temperatures than over the weekend with a high of 39 and a low of 15 with partly cloudy skies and mild winds. Wednesday, it'll cool back down to a high of 30, with a low of 10 and an 80% chance of snow and mild winds. Thursday, the weather will continue to cool down, but the sun will come back out with a high of 29 and a low of 7, and just a 10% chance of snow. And for Friday, you'll have to tune in this Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. on the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. If you missed out on any part of our show, feel free to tune in on kcsufm.com slash news to our posted episode or check us out on Spotify at KCSU News Podcast.
1: And that's all for today. We just want to thank Damian Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing
0: right now. We'd like to thank our guests today as well as Thomas Taylor, Asher Corin, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Elliot Hutchinson, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Krueger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandel, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.